Hey guys, this is Table Talks with the Tares, Fireside Edition. Ooh. I'm MJ. I'm Ash. Today we are taking it to the living room. Ooh. That sounds weird. <laughs> well, we're having to get this. Into my guy. <laughs> <laughs> For the first time, we're sitting by our little gas fireplace. Oh, we're so fancy. We're taking it handheld microphones today and just uh, clarifying, maybe supporting and editing our conversation from the last episode. Because at the time of this recording, we don't even know what the last episode really sounds like. Yeah. But I think when we both stopped recording, we were like, yeah, maybe we should, maybe we should round it out a yeah, little bit more. Clarify a few things. So, continuing our conversation about church and ministry for the Tares. There you go. Hope you guys enjoy. <laughs> All right, so tell me again why you wanted to talk about this again. Wait, is this off record or on record? No, this is off the record. Off the record? Okay, I think I want... All right, so I think we aptly need to continue on our conversation that we had (laughs) in our last episode. I think of the phrase, write drunk and edit sober. And I think... (laughs) This last episode was just us taking a first draft of what we're thinking. Mm-hmm. And so now that we've slept on it, <laughs> and literally the moment we stopped recording, you were like, I was like, Ugh. oh, all of these things I should have said. So this is why we're doing podcasts so that nobody takes snippets of what we say out of context. Well, I mean, I guess you could, but it allows you to expand on what you're meant to say. Mm-hmm even though what you said is something else. And so, yeah, I think we should just take some time to unpack some more our own wrestlings with what it means to serve, to be part of the body in the context of like where we're at as a family, Mm -hmm. what we've been able to say yes to historically, and also just where we're at with what we can say yes to today. Yeah. Can I start? Yeah. The thought that I had the moment we stopped recording last episode was that I think we give a little bit too much credit or put a little bit too much of the blame on post-Christian America, mm-hmm. post-modern Christian America, <laughs> yeah. post-Christian, post-modern America, <laughs> everything yeah. post, yeah. post everything, post-America. <laughs> um when really a lot of this is threaded all throughout church history. Sure. Where there's this sense of wanting to invite people to this place. You know, it's smoke machines, dark stages, and comfortable seats today. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, it was cathedrals, ornate artwork, and mosaics, mm-hmm. glass-stained windows. Mm-hmm. And from basically the beginning of like the organized church, there's this sense of like the clergy or your priests or, you know, pastors today where we've in our minds or, or since church history have basically delegated the formative work of discipleship, learning to read scripture, thinking about your faith. And we've outsourced it to people who are deemed to be in full-time ministry. And so in a way, we've subconsciously thought of ministry to be solely in that context. Mm -hmm. That if I want to participate in ministry, I either have to be a nun, a pope, a priest, a pastor, 
or I'm not in ministry at all. Mm-hmm. And so I think some of what we're trying to push back on or, or undo is free people up to enable themselves to do the work of the ministry in addition to, right? Not in spite of or not instead of. Mm-hmm what is being offered through the formalized mechanisms available at the church. Yeah. And I think for me, it's not in one is not and should not be in combat with the other. And so I think, I think what starts to feel deflating and, and some of this is because I've been on the other side of ministry where we were heavily involved. You know, we were serving on the worship team every single week, rarely taking a break. You know, and so when you serve at that capacity and especially in something that's so forward facing, like everybody knows you, quote unquote, knows you like they know our faces, at least, you know what I mean? And so it's obvious that we're serving in some sort of capacity because it's so highly visible. You know what I mean? The roles that we have served in in many instances have been highly visible in that way maybe like with the more forward-facing ministries and in this season and by this season I mean in in when we became parents (laughs) that was not as easily accessible to us anymore plus there was COVID there was just a lot of stuff that kind of caused us to move into these more back-facing kind of I guess maybe ministry avenues where it was maybe more discipleship focused where we were at first, you know, before we had Evie more involved in groups or, Mm -hmm. you know, then we really had a heart for just coming alongside other young couples who are about to be married or young parents who are about to be parents for the first time. Not that we had like, you know, it's not like we're super far ahead of that, (laughs) but like, that was something that we became, the Lord just like put on our hearts to do, to come alongside very specific couples or like people who are going through that parenting journey, you know, and things like that, that were a little more behind the scenes. You're not going to be known for it. You know yeah. what I mean? And so some of this is of our thinking about this and our experience as a result of that being on the more back end or not as front facing roles and things. I would sometimes find myself sitting or maybe it wasn't even at the local church that we were a part of as much as like I would, I'd listen to sermons, you know, I'd listen to, I I take in these things in a lot of different ways in media to where it's preached from the stage, this message of like, you have to serve, you have to plug in, you know, and sometimes I would just feel deflated when it seemed like the things that I was doing wasn't good enough (laughs) because it wasn't maybe like I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have a title for it. It's not like it was maybe even well known by people in, you know, leadership in the church that I was doing some of those things like meeting with people or praying with people or, you know, just things that I was doing on an individual basis. And, um, So then to just constantly hear this message of like, how are you going to get plugged in? But to feel like I'm doing these discipleship things in my day to day and, and somehow for there to be this message that it's not good enough felt really deflating to me. And it's something that we really, or at least me, I experienced for the first time because like I said before, in the roles that we participated in, 
everybody knew I was serving on the worship team. You know what I mean? So nobody comes at you as much with like, hey, where are you going to plug in? Where are you going to serve? You know? And, um, and the interesting thing to me in that was in, in the things that I was doing that were behind the scene, I felt like I was more taking on the ownership of my role as a disciple maker than I probably ever had <laughs> because I was, I was doing, I was really seeking the Lord. I felt like the Lord was putting opportunities before me and I was like stepping into those things I was, I was taking ownership of that, you know, and not, it's not something I had to be told to do, or there wasn't some sort of like discipleship ministry I was a part of where that's what, like what we're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? And yet I felt like there was such little emphasis placed on the fact that I was actually doing these things in my, in my day to day. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of churches who have a mission statement and in some way, shape or form in that mission statement is some sort of language that says we want our people to be disciple makers. (laughs) And yet I feel like I started to wonder, not even again in a critiquing way, but just in in like, you know, the way I wonder about things. Do we really value discipleship like we say we do in a mission statement when the point of that mission statement should be that we move away from the pre-established pathways that are happening in this building where it's maybe a little bit more hand-holding of like, here's how you get involved, here's how you can serve to like, I don't need to be told how to get involved, how to serve because like I have the Holy Spirit in me who can like reveal those things to me based on the different spheres that I'm in, in my life, like in my workplace, in my neighborhood, in my wherever, in in my school, in my, you know, different places. And yet it seems like that's not actually the priority. (laughs) That's not actually enough because if you're doing those things, the question isn't, Hey, where are you? You know, do you, do you have a community? Do you, have avenues for discipleship making? Like how, how are you making disciples in your day-to-day life? The question is always, where are you plugged in? Are you in a group? And if it's, and so it just led me to like, start to feel like, man, we say we value community. We say we value discipleship making, but we're also putting a contingency on what that ought to look like. And if it looks different, and if we're doing it outside of the context of the organized church meeting on Sunday, it's not good enough. I wonder if some of this is, because I, I can throw that back through to what I said in the first place where church history has shown that some of these roles of formation and catechism or, or catechesis and teaching and learning how to think in a gospel-centered way mm-hmm. was funneled through the church, the centralized church, mm-hmm. whatever the context is, right, in history. And so that's on the one hand as to why that tends to happen. And then I think the other one is just that, like, I wonder if we have, like, an uber... Man, I sound... I'm, gonna, I'm about to sound <laughs> really, like, communist or Marxist here. Oh, great. Um. But I, I wonder if we just have a highly processed capitalistic view and mindset on the cycle of 
a Christian's life hmm. in discipleship and formation mm-hmm. where it's like you find a church, you get plugged in, you do the thing, you do this and that. And like everybody has to funnel through it in order for us to be able to capture where they're at in the phase of this opportunity track mm-hmm. that they're on. And so there is less of a curiosity about the individuals as to like where they're at, what are their spheres, where are they currently serving? And rather than trying to explore those things, they just fall in line into these preset mechanisms that we have in place. So we know exactly where, what stage you're in, where you need to get to, mm-hmm. what's next for you, what mm-hmm. you've been able to accomplish so far. Mm-hmm. And some of that is just, you know, that's, that's also reflective of like the education system as a whole. And in business, like tracking opportunities and leads and prospects, yeah. like you, you kind of proceduralize it. Right. So we're proceduralizing some of the discipleship process. So it's easier to track yeah. and to funnel people through it. And I'm not against any of that. And I don't think you are either. Right. But I think the danger that we find ourselves in is that we find some, we find a good way or a suitable way for us to be able to explore the means that we're supposed to utilize the giftings that the Lord has given us and we make it the only way. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel about it. And we then also subconsciously tell people that if you are not able to give a sufficient answer for where you're plugging into to throw back your question at you, then that equates to you're not fulfilling what you're supposed to be doing Yeah. here in this life. Yeah. And so... yeah. There's like a bit of that, like, what do you call it? Spiritual intimidation? No. It's a... Manipulation? Spiritual manipulation. Yeah. And like to to take it to like a kind of more insidious dark space, I think most of the time it's probably lazy and unintentional, right? Like, I'm not really going to take time to learn what your giftings are. I'm just going to tell you to get plugged into this and that so I can move on to the next person. Mm Mm-hmm. And then to the other extreme, like you're led by somebody who's manipulative in the church to force you to do something a certain way. And so I think it's a worthwhile wrestling because it is good to have those things in place, to have a measure for what do you agree on and what don't you agree on when you go out and engage with the spheres of influence that you interact with on a regular basis. But it should not be made the only or the ultimate way yes. of participating in like this redemptive or gospel-centered or disciple-making work that every church would agree to take part of. Right. Yeah. And I say that, and also, I think for you and I, it's important to probably <laughs> maybe clarify for anyone listening who may be questioning how I feel about we hate everybody like the organized church in general like for you and I we like we will never forsake gathering with other believers in corporate worship and it's not because you know we agree with everyone or the way things are done or you know like and I'm not saying we don't I'm not saying but I'm not I'm not saying like that's what we're there for, you know, it's, it's not because we're there necessarily even to get something out of it. I think for you and I, we've really just come to kind of stand on a conviction that our participation in that is 
for, you know, some of the reasons of remembering that our time doesn't belong to us. So we will intentionally disrupt it <laughs> like yeah, every week to be a part of something, you know, and, and be around other believers who, and, and worship corporately together and ultimately remember that we are committing to the, the people, you know, mm-hmm. that we are alongside and that involves needing to get to know the people that we're standing alongside and committing ourselves to walking with, you know? And so it's just been interesting because we've been through, I think several, I mean, you know, we, we've been through different flavors of church and in terms of size, right? Because we've been to church plant, I was going to say startup church and corporate church. No, but more of like <laughs> church plants and then the yep. more established church all the way to like full-fledged established church. And they all have trade-offs. Yeah. That on like the small side or the startup or the church plant side, you have the ability to know and be known much faster because it's a smaller group of people. Sure. But some of these like growing pains you experience alongside of like what are like what are the processes right right. like what are like how do you even put people into a process Mm -hmm. so that like there's people who are willing to serve but we don't know how to plug them in like some of the procedural items aren't there yet Mm -hmm. on the small side on the flip side with like a large well-established church that's organized well that's exactly it is that it's really well organized like you have to have some of these processes down in order to get to the size that you can get to yeah and then the trade-off there though is that interacting with or getting to know basically everybody in that church is exponentially harder yeah only because of the size of the church and so right and it's a bit more rigid in even just um formatting of the sunday service flow like it has to be you know but it just yeah it doesn't leave much space for Mm -hmm. taking an extra moment of you know I don't know, singing an, an, another chorus of the song or right. a prayer or, you know what I mean? Like just resting in the moment. Sometimes it doesn't always afford that. Yeah. And so I think we've seen all sorts of flavors of it through the years, mm-hmm. um, just from having moved and the churches we've been part of. And yeah, I think for us, we will see that as essential and not something as optional. But I've, it's just been interesting to see how that, plays itself out within the different contexts particularly when it comes to the size of the church and so yeah i think what we want to try and do is to complement the ways that we can get plugged in at church the ways that we can benefit from being part of community yeah but also really also staying sensitive to the prompting of like what is it that we are specifically here for maybe even or especially outside of the specific context of what church asks you to, to be part of. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for you and I, you know, in answering some of those questions of like, what does ministry look like for the Tares? I think you and I have changed in, in even where our desire to serve would be. Like I just, I don't have capacity to serve on the worship team (laughs) in this season of my life I there's a part of me that misses it and there's another part of me that's like I don't know like Mm -hmm. 
I think I really enjoy the more like one-on-one like coming alongside someone kind kind of interactions where it's like not even like I have anything to impart or teach you it's not like I'm like oh you know learn from me young Padawan it's more just like let me give you eyes into my life yeah to see how I interact with my husband and to see how I raise my children and let's learn from each other I don't know know? babe I still still kind of want to play the bass well you know you can play the bass I'm just saying, I don't know if the kids and I are going to make it to church that day. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, it comes with seasons and even we had this discussion in the community group and I I would tend to agree. Like, I think it is still important for us to at least explore, like, what is it that we can say yes to and ask ourselves that. And I think some of these conversations that you and I have had could lead somebody to believe that, oh man, these guys are so jaded. They just don't want to do anything at all. And that's not at all what we're trying to say as much as it is like we've recognized, like we've personally experienced burnout from wringing ourselves out so hard on the ministry space that like we don't want to experience that again. We want to make sure that what we do is sustainable for our family and for what we're saying yes to at church. And so from having been people that maybe would have tended to overcommit we're trying to like take a step back and just now ask ourselves, you know, what, what can we say yes to? Yeah. Because like Lisa Turkhurst said, Oh boy. It's gotta be your best. Yes. <laughs> best. Yes. Right. That's what she said. It's <laughs> like the book title. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's really all we're trying to explore and ask ourselves and, and try and answer. And we try very hard in any context on the church front to be able to say yes to something and either that changes through, you know, more children mm-hmm. or the season changes or we move and we constantly find ourselves trying to answer that question. And yet the only thing that's been consistent that we've been able to practice is our family Sabbath in terms of just, we can keep doing this. Right. And like forever, literally right. forever, every Saturday, people are at our table and our intent is to lavish them with good food and like Simple. Tr- try to be good conversationalists yeah. who are more interested in their story than our own, you know, and really create this sense of a place of refuge in our home. Like when people answer that they would feel that as well, you know, we've worked hard to try to foster that and cultivate that for our family but then also inviting people into that and it's super sustainable it's so right. sustainable i mean it involves a lot of work like we're hustling on saturday to get the house at a place where like you know people would feel like it was a refuge when they come over and it's not like utter chaos you know right. <laughs> and then and but then we just like enjoy it together and right. we enjoy the company and that's so you're not it's not like it's stuff that the Lord has already blessed us with and we're just sharing it with other people. Yeah. That's it. It's as simple as it gets, you know, like we have a table, we have food, we can, you know, we have conversation cards or like whatever it is. It's just like use the things that you already have. You don't have to reinvent the wheel Yeah. or chase after the big, you know, the big thing. Yeah. So I think after recording the last episode, maybe we felt like, we were a little too all over the place 
and I'm just unpacking that, right? Like and talking about like, what are we trying to actually say when it comes to the context of serving in the church? And I think hopefully in unpacking it more today, what I wanted to make sure we get across is that like we're trying to find a sustainable rhythm for our family and exploring what that could look like within the context of the church. Yeah. And that's differed through the years with, you know, just the, the two of us to having children to now being in a new church entirely. And so it's just been something that is always has always been or has con- continues to be brought to the forefront of our minds for one reason or another. And so it's just been something that I think it's still an ongoing conversation Mm-hmm. And we definitely haven't figured out the answer to all of it, and we might not ever, but at least we're trying. Yeah. You excited about your sourdough? I am. Oh my gosh. I am like so. I've never been seen you this excited, babe. I am so excited, and I'm so pleased with how everything has gone up to this point. The last yeah. step is literally baking it tomorrow, and it's just. Done everything it's supposed to do. All my singing and whispering over it has just allowed it to flourish and thrive. (laughs) I love it. It's going to be the most delicious loaf of bread I've had. I I might cry if it's not. (laughs) Yeah. I am very, very pleased with the process. So I cannot wait. I just hope, you know, because it's obviously not gluten-free. So I hope I can actually... (laughs) With all my intolerances, I've recently yeah. discovered that I have. So, Well, just stay close to a bathroom. Oh, boy. <laughs> we'll find out, but I'm excited. Yeah. This loaf is going to be... It's going to be great, babe. It's just going to be the best. It'll be the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> well, hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Table Talks with the Tares. We'd love to hear from you. And if there's something you'd specifically like for us to talk about, visit honors underscore dot com slash table talks to let us know. And if this episode was helpful to you, be sure to subscribe and to also share it with a friend. We really appreciate your support. All music is from the OG MJ Tare. Join us next time for another conversation at our table.